Father of all things, the God who was, who is, and who will forever be, the great I am, the unchanging one, the omnipotent one, the one who speaks by the word of his mouth and galaxies are made. We stand in awe of you. We come humbly before you this morning. Lord, we want to hear you. We want to hear you, just like you spoke to us before, that you constantly want to speak to us. Lord, we humble our hearts before you this morning. We bow our will and our hearts before you this morning. We strip ourselves of everything that will stand in the way of us hearing you this morning. We make ourselves vulnerable before you this morning. Holy Spirit of God, minister life to us this morning, we ask in the name of Jesus. Good morning. I want to speak about the sovereignty of God. Uh, When I started preparing this message, the more I went into what I felt God wanted to speak to us, the more I felt unworthy to stand before the people of God to talk about the sovereignty of God. But none of us will ever be worthy. And that's why I can stand before you and bring the word of God. Of ourselves, we will never be worthy, but he makes us worthy because of the way that he loves us. Can I ask you to put your finger in two different passages of the Bible that we're going to read together? The first one will be from Genesis 3. We're going to read from verses 1 to 5. And then if you could just mark also in your Bible, Isaiah 14, verses 12 to... I think we'll just stop at 15, just 12 to 15. I want to demonstrate something to you that God spoke to me about when I went for a walk this morning. I had been preparing this message for weeks, but this morning as I went out for a walk, God spoke to me about something. And because I'm a pragmatist, I like to see things that will stick in my heart, in my head more. Carol, would you like to come? Michael, would you like to come? Carry on, Carol. Oh, Father, I want that. I want that. I want what she's got. Oh, I want what she's got. Oh, can I have what she's got? Can I have that? I've been, you bought her a phone? Dad, I want a phone too. I've been praying. I've been asking you for a phone for so long. And you won't give me one. Oh, can I have a phone? Can I have a phone? Oh, I want that. I want that. No, no. The last time you didn't give me what I wanted. I don't trust that you'll give me what I wanted. That's what I want. Oh, I want that. I want that. No, no. You keep doing this to me. You love her more than you love me. I don't want it. No. Thank you. Can you show everybody what you are going to give this disobedient child? What's that? I think it's 50 pounds. Thank you. I wanted, I just wanted to demonstrate something. How many people here have ever been let down by God? 
Don't lie. This is a comfortable place. This is where we can be open and honest with ourselves. Okay, how many people have ever felt let down by God? Okay. How many people have prayed and not seen their prayers answered before? Even though you did everything right, you fasted, you even repented of the sin that you didn't commit. <laughs> just so that you can, you can get this answer from God. Have you ever wondered why God stood by and allowed things to happen in your life that you didn't even deserve? Even though you've served him faithfully. You've been faithful and still he doesn't give you things that you want. How many people have, seen, have prayed for people to be healed and you've seen them die? We all, like Yetunde was saying, we were here yesterday celebrating the life of Graham. All of us here prayed for Graham to be healed. But God decided not to do things the way we thought. We've seen people suffer who are righteous people. We've seen them suffer. We've seen bad things happen to, big, uh, to, to good people. And we think God should have intervened, but we believe that he didn't intervene. Because we're Christians, we've learned that we're not allowed to be angry with God because God is sovereign. He does whatever he likes and we can't question him. He's the unquestionable one. He has all authority and all power and we've been brought up to understand that we can't question him because it's never wrong. So we carry on with the attitude of, I must be wrong then. Because you can't be wrong, you're God, whatever you do is right, you can't be wrong, so it must be me then. And gradually we start to keep part of our hearts from him, because we don't want him to hurt us again. Because he's hurt us before. And slowly something, which the medics can correct me if I'm wrong here, something called paresthesia begins to happen in parts of your heart where there's numbness, where you can't feel pain anymore. And you feel safe because once you can't feel pain in that area, God can't hurt you in that area again. So you feel like you have to protect your heart from God. And you know why we do that? It's because we don't trust him. We decide to trust our experience because our experiences are things that we've lived through. Where was God? When I was going through that, if he truly loved me, why would he allow things like that to happen to me? Have you ever, perhaps nurses or doctors may have been in these circumstances, but other people too. Have you ever come across somebody who's been abused several times? Maybe they've been hit and hit and hit several times. Sometimes you approach them and they're like, they're defensive because they think that you're going to hurt them again. Because what they've been used to is abuse. And so... They, they've learned to keep their guard up. And, and quite often we do that. Two years ago, somebody really, really close to me died. Some of you will know about that. And I, I wasn't angry with God, but I, I was really upset. I didn't understand it. I didn't understand it at all. I was really upset. And I found that when I came into the presence of God, every time I came into the presence of God in worship mostly, I found that I couldn't look God in the eye. And the presence of God was where I would always cry and cry and cry. I didn't question him because I knew that 
His ways are past my ways and I'll never understand his ways. But I was hurt. He hurt me. And, and how that manifested was in me. My tears were not tears of accusation or I was hurt. Do you know that it's okay to be hurt? It's okay to feel hurt. But what is not okay is for you to question God's integrity and God's sovereignty and God's authority and more than anything else. It's not okay to question the love of God for us. So if we read the first passage of the Bible that I asked you to put your hand on before, that was Genesis 3. I want to read a passage in Genesis 3 to you. I'm going to read from 1 to 5. Now the serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Indeed, has God said you shall not eat of the tree of the garden? The woman said to the serpent, From the fruit of the trees of the garden we may eat, but from the fruit of the tree which is in the middle of the garden, God has said you shall not eat from it or touch it, or you will die. The serpent said to the woman, You surely will not die. For God knows that in the day that you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So Satan planted in Eve's heart that God was holding out on them. That God didn't have their best interest at heart. He managed to convince them that God didn't want to be like what didn't want them to be like him. Do you know the problem with that? is that they were already like him. In Genesis 1, we, we read, in Genesis 1, let's, let's read it together. I like to read the Bible. I think it's verse, verses 26 and 27. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness and let them rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. They were already like God. So while the devil has enshrouded his lie in truth, so it was true that God has said to them, don't eat of this tree. But God didn't stop them from eating from all the other trees. So okay, there were like a thousand... This is me making this up. There were like a thousand trees in the garden. But God said, of this one, I don't want you to eat. And they were okay. They were happy. They were eating from the other 99 until the deceiver came and lied to them. He he covered his, his, his lie in the midst of deceit. And they didn't know the difference because they chose to believe a lie. In, in John 10, 34, Jesus said, Jesus was quoting from a, a, a passage in Psalm 82, verse 6, and Jesus said, has it not been written in your law that you are God's? Now, don't make that weird. Don't go about strutting about saying I am God, and everywhere you go, you start telling everybody that you're God. If you start making it weird like that, some people in white jackets will come and they will take you away. <laughs> That's the truth. We, we are already what God intended for us to be. 
we, were, we already had everything that we needed to be right from, right, right from the Garden of Eden. I believe that the original sin happened in Isaiah. If you're not familiar with this, you'll soon become familiar with this story. So in Isaiah 14, 12 to 14, that's the other passage that I asked you to put your hand on. There's a story about how Satan came to be how he is today. So before this, Lucifer was the archangel that I believe was in charge of worship in heaven and and things like that. And one day, Satan decided that he wanted to be like God. So we'll pick up from verse 12 of Isaiah 14. And so this passage is about Lucifer and what happened to him. How you have fallen from heaven, O star of the morning, son of the dawn. You have been caught down to the earth, you who have weakened the nations. But you said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. And I will sit on the mount of assembly in the recesses of the north. I will ascend above the height of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. Nevertheless, you'll be thrust down to Sheol, to the recesses of the peaks. Those who see you will gaze at you. They will ponder over you saying, is this the man who made the earth tremble, who shook the kingdoms? So Satan didn't, wasn't satisfied with what God gave him, wasn't satisfied that God and God alone could be sovereign and supreme. He made the whole earth. He was the only person that has the right to occupy that position that Satan coveted. He wanted to be like God. And so he was cast out of heaven because of his rebellion. And you know the story. Some of the angels who sided with him were cast down with him. But he decided he didn't want to go to hell alone. Or it, so he decided that the people who were already like God, he would bring them down with him by lying to them. And you know what lies do when we begin to believe lies? They begin to put fear in our hearts. And fear, I watched a film and I got this from, so when this comes up on the board, I didn't, I didn't come up with that. Fear is false evidence appearing real. Because we've chosen to believe that which is not the truth, we begin to live in fear. So because we believe that God doesn't love us enough and is holding out on us, we begin to be afraid of him in a way that you saw what was demonstrated before. Because Sumbo believed that God had laid her down before, that God didn't answer the prayer, she began to be afraid of him that you'll do the same thing again. You'll hurt me again. The last time I trusted you, you hurt me. But you know what the Bible says about those who know their God? They shall be strong and they shall do exploits. So the secret of living in the truth of the sovereignty and the majesty of God is to know him. If you don't know somebody, you'll assume all sorts of things by the, about them. Sometimes people come up to me and say, like when I used to work in theaters at the MRI, sometimes because I'm a happy, happy person, most of the time. <laughs> so if I come to work and I'm not laughing and joking and people come up to me and say, are you upset about something? No, I'm not. And I'm 
having a quiet day. I'm just. And then another person or the same person will say, I'm sure you're upset about something because you're not usually like this. No, I'm fine. Honestly, I'm fine. And then somebody else, or maybe the same person comes and says, are you upset about something? Oh, my goodness. At that time, I become upset about something. Because I wasn't upset before, but people make assumptions about why I am the way I am. And so quite often, it's the assumptions that we've made about God that land us where we end up being in our relationship with him. The one thing, I'm so happy, I asked Lisa if we could sing Good, Good Father today. God is gracious and generous and magnificent. He's powerful. He's, he can destroy the whole world with the breath of his mouth. But it could be all that. But he'd be an extremely wicked God if he wasn't a good father. All that God is, is wrapped in, in love. He loves us more than we could ever imagine, more than we could ever love ourselves. And that's why when we begin to make assumptions about him, like for a long time you've prayed for a husband, for a long time you've prayed for a child, for a long time you've prayed for a job, you've fasted, you've asked other people to pray for you, demons have been cast out of you that weren't even there in the first place because you're a child of God and demons can't inhabit the same space as God. But just to make sure that everything is clear, that there are no hindrances, you go to a deliverance service, somebody spits on you while they're casting demons out of you and all of those things happen. And yet, you don't get what you did all that for. I remember one time I was, I was seeking God. I, I like to spend time seeking God. That's one of my favorite things in the whole world. I wanted to be closer to God. And, and so I was fasting and fasting. I was, every weekend I would fast Friday to, Friday to Sunday round, just drinking water. And I didn't feel any closer to God at some point. At at the beginning, it was good, it was good. And then it became a habit. I was doing it because it was a habit. It was what I did. And I didn't feel any difference. It started feeling like I was wasting my time. And I was thinking, ah, God, so this is how it's going to be like now. I'm fasting because I want to be closer to you. And I'm beating myself up. And you're not even showing up. This is how it's going to be. They're just punishing me. What did I do to you? Other people don't even spend that much time. Carol is one of those people. She, God always answers all of Carol's prayers. That's why I asked her to come and demonstrate that today. Um, I made assumptions about God that this was what he wanted, even though it was what I wanted. And God said to me, come, did I ask you to fast? <laughs> did I ask you to fast? Eh, But when I fast, I've known that it makes me closer to you and it makes you answer my prayers and it draws me into your presence. Again, did I ask you to fast? We make assumptions about God because of what we think he is, what he wants from us. And because he deals with Carol like that, and he always answers Carol's prayers. If anybody wants prayers answering, ask Carol to pray for I'm not joking about that bit, by the way. God always answers her prayers. But you look at Carol, but you don't know the relationship that Carol has with God, do you? 
We're all individuals. His sovereignty means that as much as he can do whatever he wants, we need to be persuaded that whatever he wants that he's doing in our lives is the best for us. We may never understand it, and that's the trouble. We try and understand God. We try and interpret him. And for the, for the very extremely knowledgeable people with degrees and masters and PhDs, you come a cropper because you begin to interpret spiritual things in the natural. You begin to reason and want to understand God in that way. You will never understand God with your intellect. The only way to understand God is why the Bible says spiritual things are spiritually discerned. And the, the individuality that God has with us, which each and every one of us, is the reason why he doesn't give me what I was coveting in Carol's life. Because I'm not Carol. God's plans for me are entirely different from the plans that he has for Carol. So what Carol wanted from God, in case it wasn't clear in that little sketch, Carol had bought a phone, but she'd lost the instructions to the phone. And what she wanted, and I'd been seeking God for, and I'd been praying, was for God to send her the instructions for that phone. And so, greedy me, coveting what God, Carol had, I thought that God had gone behind my back. How dare he and buy Carol a phone when I'd been seeking him for a phone? And I wanted what Carol had. And then, even when she brought it out, and it was instructions that probably would have cost nothing to download on the internet. And my father is saying, just turn around and look at me. I've got what you need. My father was trying to give me 50 pounds, but I was coveting what Carol had that could have cost nothing if she downloaded it off the internet. Am I making sense? So the sovereignty of God, I, I like, I, I have come to love the sovereignty of God. I've come to accept that I will never, ever, understand what he's doing, I just have to trust him. I have to trust that he will not use his sovereignty to cheat me. He will not use his sovereignty to make me worse off than I was when I didn't know him. I have to trust him that his sovereignty, as his ruler of the whole universe, we've sung songs about him, about his greatness and his magnificence, and he is all that and more than we'll ever know. But for me, in my relationship with him, I have to trust him. I have to trust that he knows what I need more than I need, more than I know what I need. As parents, we quite often worry about our children. We worry about them and worry about them and we plan out this life for them and sometimes they are not walking in that life, that plan that we have for them. But God has different plans for them than we did because we don't know the end from the beginning. He knew the end from the beginning. We, I've spoken about this before, but do you remember Joseph, how his father loved him more than all his brothers, and he was the beloved one who supposedly had been killed in the desert. So his father's heart was broken and all of that. But for Joseph himself, he had to go through all of those things that happened to him. He had to be in prison. He had to go through that journey before he became the prime minister of Egypt. So God had a plan. God has a journey that's specifically designed for each and every one of us. And you will not get to that expected end until you walk that walk. 
There's no shortcut to it. So when we acknowledge the sovereignty of God and in not understanding what he's doing with our lives because we're mere mortals who don't have the understanding that we think that we do, we then submit our will to his will. I want to tell us a story about a young man that I saw here yesterday for confidentiality reasons. I'm not going to be able to tell us the whole story, but some people here will be familiar with the story. So this young man was in this congregation for a long time, long, long, long time. In fact, he may have been here before me, and I've been here since 1992. I think he may, maybe about the same time as me. Or, but at some point, some things went wrong in his relationship with the church, and things were really bad. Things were really bad. He went through a deeply, deeply upsetting Situation. I'm not saying that it was a church that hurt him, but he felt hurt by the church. He felt that things had not been dealt with the way they should have been dealt with. Things happened. And, and I kept saying to him, maybe it's time for you to move somewhere else. But no, 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 no. This is where God wants me to be. I've been here for a long time. So while he's staying, his heart is not right with the church. So his heart is not right with God. And I'm just going to digress a little bit and come back to that story and just tell you something that God's been dealing with me about a lot recently. So when somebody does something to offend me, and I do get offended sometimes, but when God does something, somebody does something to offend me, they were the one that offended me in the first place. And instead of me laying down my right to be offended and forgiving and just leave it. Sometimes I now began to, uh, I begin to think about it and think about it and think about it. And God started saying to me, the justified is going to become the condemned if you're not careful the way you're walking. Does that make sense? So at the point at which that person offended me, I was justified. But because I refused to lay down the right to be offended, I now become the condemned because I've allowed sin in my life. Because of, and unbeknown to me, because I haven't dealt with it properly, that person has probably repented of what they did to me, and they've become the justified, and I've become the condemned. Does that make sense? So we need to be careful. We need to guard our hearts very carefully, especially in the way that we respond to the things that God is doing with us. So coming back to the story of this gentleman, so in the end, in anger and frustration, he did leave and went somewhere else. And until he got to that somewhere else, did he understand what God was doing here? He didn't see it. He didn't. I saw him last week and I was just thought, wow, my eyes opened to God, what God was doing in his life that caused all that that happened here to happen. And so when I saw him yesterday, I went up to him and said, Look at you now. I so praise God for where you are now and what's happened in your life since you were last here. If he had stayed here, he would have been stuck in a rut. He wouldn't have been able to access the fullness of the plans that God had for him because he was staying where the grace of God was not. Because God in his sovereignty knew that that was no longer, the season for him being here was over. Can I just say, while I want everybody to be here, and this message is not about that, if the season for you to be here is over, be where God needs you to be. 
where, be where the grace of God wants you to be. And that's where you will come to the fullness of all that God had planned for you. I saw this young man yesterday with his family and I, my heart was so blessed. My heart was blessed because the plans of God for him lay somewhere else, not here. And so we need to be careful how we judge God, how we respond to the things that God, do, God does with us. And the best way to do that is to come to God humbly with the most humility. There's no other way to come to God because we know nothing and he knows all things. And when we come to him in humility, I, just, I was thinking about the story of Lazarus when Lazarus died and do you remember that story that both Mary and Martha spoke to Lazarus about Jesus' death? Do you remember one of them was like, if you'd been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Do you remember that? And somebody else went to him and said, oh, I'm glad that you're here now. I wish that you'd been here three days ago, but I'm just glad that you're here now. Wake my brother up. A difference in attitude completely. And while we're children of God and, and we, we, we're heirs of all that he has, all that he has belongs to us. And like the word of God said, we are gods. We are little him walking around all over this place, displaying his splendor and glory around us. But at the bottom of all that is the fact that God is sovereign. God is not our mate. God is not, while he's our friend, God is superior to us in any way that we can ever think or imagine. Please don't compare yourself with God. And so when we don't trust his sovereignty, when we don't trust that he has good plans for us, we're comparing ourselves with God because we think we know more than he does. And that's what led Lucifer to where he is now and is trying to deceive people who are already made in the image of God because he wanted to be like God. So we're going to sing that song again, Good, Good Father. There are lots of us who need to ask God to do, I'm going to use a medical term. You guys, medics, forgive me. We're going to ask God to do an escarotomy in our hearts, which is God removes that old scar the ones where we think that it's hurt us, it's hurt us, it's hurt us, and we've built a, built a defense around our heart so that he doesn't hurt us anymore in that particular area. We're going to ask God to remove the scarring that's caused numbness in that part of our lives to him. We all have, I'm not going to ask you to ask anybody to pray for you. This is something that needs to happen between you and God. You need to allow God to take out the the scar of whatever you believe that he has done and to submit to his sovereignty knowing that whatever plan you think you had for yourself his plans will always be a million times better than what you could ever imagine or think should we do that together can we sing good good father and then i'd like us to just spend a little time praying together <laughs>